you can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in. to Hollywood and Beyond podcast with Cincinnati host Stephen Brittingham. Experience meaningful and in-depth interviews with Hollywood's most interesting people. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Carrie Genzel, actor, producer, writer, and creator of stateofslay.com. Slay, in this case, being an acronym for self-love, appreciate you. State of Slay is a blog that I created documenting my journey from the darkness of depression to living in the light today and focusing on the positive. It is a safe place to encourage one another and walk together as we find empowerment and self-love. I hope you'll join me on my blog, stateofslay.com, where we walk and slay together. Slay on. Send host Stephen Brittingham your comments and questions to hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. That is hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. And now, your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Hello, friends and listeners. This is host, Stephen Brittingham. Thank you, as always, for listening. Elizabeth Blake Thomas is here today visiting the show to share her artistic journey, which extends from the UK all the way to Hollywood. Elizabeth is a lady who wears many hats. Director, writer, producer, you name it, she wears it. Her greatest role, though, has the title of Mom. Her daughter is also full of artistic inclination. For daughter Isabella Blake Thomas is a talented young lady who has followed in her mom's footsteps. Writer, producer, and a rising actress and singer. My special guest today will be discussing some of her projects, including Unseen, a short film, and I might also add a very important and disturbing short film that highlights human trafficking and child exploitation. She is also here to discuss other projects, including the film Evie Rose, as well as the League of Legend Keepers, Shadows. Many of these projects also include working with her daughter, Isabella. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond, Elizabeth Blake Thomas. Good morning and thank you. Good morning to you. It's so nice to be speaking with you today. 
Thank you. It's lovely to be here. I do have to question something you said, though, which is Isabella following in my footsteps. Sometimes I feel like I'm following in hers. <laughs> well, I'm glad you pointed that out to me. <laughs> yeah, she's um, she's pretty hardcore when it comes to being able to follow somebody. She is very uh, focused and driven. And I think that's why we make such a good team. So perhaps uh, it's you trying to, to to keep up with her half the time, I suppose. <laughs> I think so. I think it's a bit of a competition. Sometimes she'll come back and say, I didn't know we had a project called That Mummy. And I'll say, yes, we do. She yeah, of course we do. And she finds me very amusing. Well, as do I so far. And it's so nice to have you here today. Now, I need to ask you straight up. Uh, do I need to say mom or mum? <laughs> Actually, we say mummy, I'm afraid. We still say mummy or mama. I still mummy? have that, so I'm very lucky. Okay, well, well, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did mention that you uh, are from the UK, and I think that's very obvious. But I thought I would go ahead and give you an opportunity to let folks know out there more about where you're from. And also, when did your own personal interest in artistic projects first developed for you? Oh, that's such a wonderful question because they kind of, they are separate really from me as a person to when I realized that I should be in this industry. It was, um, I was, I was born in Suffolk, which is on the East coast of England. And that's a lovely little beachy town. And then I was moved to the center of England where I lived most of my life attending school and um, I remember a couple of moments whilst I was at uh, school, which may have been significant. One is that I ended up getting a lead role in a play called Lark Cries to Candleford. Um, and I was the lead Laura at a place called the Nottingham Playhouse. And I really enjoyed it. But I remember thinking that I quite liked to be telling people what to be doing as opposed to being told what to do. So I then set up my own theatre company when I was 16 and I was still attending a college at that stage and I was mentoring all these you know, younger people, 7 to 10 and maybe even up until they were 15 really, but I, I always felt much, much older. So theatre was in my blood from a very young age uh, and then I went to a university that really didn't support my vision at all because actually I didn't want to just be acting or being out there as I said on the stage I wanted to be on the other side I wanted to be directing or I wanted to be creating so it was always there but I just didn't know how to do it um, I moved to London with um, with my then uh, husband and we actually had our wonderful daughter Isabella Blake Thomas and it was actually through her that things started to progress but again not immediately which was funny uh, she ended up getting this audition for a TV show and presenting it at the age of five. And so I went along as a mother and just was there as support. And as time went on, a couple of years, three, four years later, people on set would say to me, oh, can you help out? Can you help uh, direct these other actors? Or can you help give some coaching or advice? So really, it just organically grew by me being on set with Isabella. And then it was only three years ago when um, my divorce had come through and I realized that, you know, I didn't want to be in a position of um, when Isabella was 18, having nothing to do when I knew I was a creative person. 
Um, and a friend of mine who is um, a wonderful chap who's a director said to me that I should be a director. And I said, how do I do that? And he said, you just say you're a director. And then three years later, I've shot eight feature films and here I am. Here you are. Wow. <laughs> it does sound like you had a, a, an interest developing and put on the production side of projects um, as you were, um, you know, discovering, uh, you know, the joys of acting, so to speak, you were kind of uh, picking up on things that, hey, I might like to be behind the scenes someday, it sounds like. I think so. And I think that's what's so wonderful about what I've done. It's been a very organic experience because I genuinely, when Isabella was there and I was with her on, as you know, the mom on set, I genuinely had no interest other than supporting her. So all of these things have led me to here. And I think basically being a director, you're just a mum because you have all these people to look after or a teacher. And, you know, and I've been both. But I, I knew the creative side of me was always there. You know, I wrote a book. I've written several children's books that I'm trying to currently get published. I was always creative but I knew I just didn't want to be an actress. And don't get me wrong, I think, you know, I've, I've helped a few friends out and it's been enjoyable, but it's definitely not where I wanted to be. Um, whereas I think some people just know, yes, I'm an actress, I want to be that side of the camera. I actually enjoy being the other side. Yes, you've also been in front of the camera, most definitely. Now, was there any other walk of life Elizabeth, that maybe you were, you know, if you go back many years, was there another walk of life or career choice that maybe you briefly considered perhaps following instead of this creative life that you've created for yourself? Well, I did do a year of law school where I was going to train to be a barrister. But again, I thought that was really just acting. You know, you stand up there, you have to pretend stuff. And, you know, I thought that would be quite fun. But that's just because I have a huge interest in all the procedurals. Like I love um, law and order and CSI and um, criminal minds. So oh, I don't yes. think it was anything to take seriously. Uh, but no, this, this is where it's been. And obviously, as you said, the most important role is being a mum. That was that was my priority. And and I have to say, if if we were getting a grade in mumming, I definitely got an A star. I'm not surprised to hear that. So congratulations <laughs> on a job well done. Oh, thank you. And you know, I was raised, Elizabeth, by my grandparents. And oh. I called my grandmother mom my whole life. And um, I think of moms as very special people. So it sounds like you're one of the good ones too. Uh, yeah, I, I feel I am. And, and the evidence is always there. That's what I say. When people question <laughs> the way I've done things or what I've, how I've done it, I say, well, just talk to Isabella. You know, that's She'll the proof. That's the evidence. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've made her. No, but, but, if I, I felt like if I got her to the age of 18, which, you know, she's half a year away from being and she's not suffered from anxiety, depression, uh, had ADHD, all these current issues that seem to affect our children. She sleeps nearly 12 hours a night. She eats healthily. She looks great. She's kind. She's happy. I mean, I kind of go, okay, job well done. I'm there. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned all of that because, you know, I tend to have very good instincts somehow. It's like a built-in radar. And those are some of the things that we're going 
you know, through my mind as I was learning more about your daughter is that she seemed to be very content and really in tune with what she's doing. You know, a person that's just having a great time. Yes, and I think that comes from the way I wanted us to live our lives. So we live on a boat in L.A. And uh, I... I love boats. (laughs) I know. a big ocean guy. Oh, are you? Well, I just love the waters. The dolphins and the sea lions are our pets. And um, and it is rather beautiful. But I made (laughs) a choice for us to experience life whilst we were having to live. And that kind of sounds bizarre, putting those two together, because if you're living, aren't you experiencing life? But I think a lot of people just live because they have to. And so I made that decision to say, no, each day we're going to wake up and be able to say and look. Yeah, we're happy. We're where we want to be. It doesn't mean that you can't want more or want to improve But just that feeling of contentment, I think, sets your day off well. I mean, I'm sitting here now looking out at the beautiful boats and and I feel very, very content. And I know Isabella does every day. She wakes up as well. That is just absolutely wonderful. Thank you for uh, sharing all of that with me. And, well, I'll tell you what, when you made the move from the UK to Hollywood, had you been in the States before? No, not really. It was it was a funny one. Um, I I felt of myself as well traveled, but you know the prices of air, air, um, tickets, air flights were were very expensive. Uh, what is it now? Nearly ten years ago, and so we would go to France or Spain or Italy because you could drive there and you could get a quick flight. But America was you know it was a big place. New York was on our radar, um, and we actually had some American family. But it was when I decided to help Isabella with her career even more to try and expand her horizon and her learning that I found a drama course in New York and I and for me again that was that was a huge distance to fly with her age seven so we flew to New York and she did this amazing course and whilst we were on the course they said to us you know we have one of these in LA now obviously a British person goes oh my gosh that's Hollywood that's amazing. And I said to my mum, how do you fancy a bit of a, a trip over there? We could fly into the family in Chicago. We could road trip over there, get a train from Flagstaff, drive, and go, and, and go there for a couple of weeks. And my mum, who's crazy like me, was up for it. And, and Isabella's up for whatever I say. So, you know, why not? Mummy makes it sound fun. Let's do it. So we, we flew um, into Chicago and did the road trip. And once we were in L.A., um, we were there for those two weeks we both fell in love with it. And also, Isabella got an agent immediately. So you're kind of going, okay, this is, sounds fun. So let's live in London and know that we can come over to what we, we now know is pilot season. This sounds like an interesting experience. So after a couple of years of doing that, the agent actually said, you know, you really need to live here if you want to kind of progress. And I thought, oh, God, I really could. It's sunny. It's beautiful this this just kind of suits me i feel when whenever we landed in la we kind of felt like we were home so we we made the move and um, we definitely have no regrets and in fact soon isabella will have been living in la longer than she lived in london wow i tell you what uh, when i first arrived to los angeles elizabeth i felt the same way as each of you It, it felt instantly like home I think for some people it does. Now, I'm glad it doesn't for everybody. I know there are definitely some people that say they couldn't live here. I love 
everything about it. I even love the traffic on the 405 because I get to say, <laughs> I'm in the traffic on the 405. I mean, I, I love everything. And so does Isabella. It's, um, it really felt like home. So there's just nowhere else we can be, really. And you know, Elizabeth, one thing that I uh, discovered when I first arrived to L.A. was that the presence of old Hollywood uh, is very much, um, you know, surrounds you if, if you, you know, open yourself up to it. And, and when you think of all the people that worked in that town, it, it, it's just quite uh, amazing to think about. Oh, it's my favorite thing, old Hollywood. I think that's because as a, as a child, that's what you see and you know, and you you know, the movies that you watched, um, it, that, that to me is the magic of it. And I do feel that every time I go somewhere. And I'm very specific about where I choose to, to go and sit and work. And actually, one of my favorite spots is the Chateau Marmont. So I'll go there probably a couple of days a week. And they look after me very well. And I just feel like I'm part of something bigger. And I really enjoy that. That's wonderful. And no doubt you'll have many more adventures uh, down the road in the City of Angels. Well, I'll tell you what, Elizabeth, um, I viewed uh, your uh, documentary film, Unseen, as mentioned in the introduction, and it's about 20, 21 minutes, approximately. And for a film that is, uh, you know, at that length, it accomplishes so much, and it has so much to say. A very, very important film, uh, obviously very disturbing, and I think, though, it, it will help to open up eyes and, 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 and to have a greater understanding of human trafficking and child exploitation and just how you know, complex it actually can be. I wanted to ask you here and now, how did you first come up for the idea for Unseen and anything at all that you would like to say about the project? Um, well, yes. I mean, it was a very interesting experience because... Um, I was approached by somebody when I was at Sundance a year ago, actually. It's exactly a year. And they told me this story about a girl that had been taken in Utah and how she'd been taken. And it was this, the, through the use of social media in a very negative way. So I started to do some research. And obviously having a 16-year-old daughter at the time, I was very intrigued by what that meant because... As far as I can see, I'm a very um, uh, well-educated uh, parent who understands where stranger danger is. But I felt actually that I didn't really understand it through social media. And the, the purpose of my film is to address the role that social media plays in the facilitation of child um, trafficking and human exploitation. And so just by even doing a wee bit of research, it opened my eyes as to what was going on out there. And actually, you know, there are 40% of um, children that are taken that never even meet their traffickers because it's all done underneath this radar. Um, and because of my age of my daughter, I thought I have to tell this story. And so I, uh, I wrote it with a couple of fantastic people, uh, Mal Young and Larry Shapiro. And I put this together to shoot over a couple of couple of days and managed to do a co-production with a, a wonderful production house called Mercury Pictures and also with um, the help of my amazing exec producers, Cindy Cowan and Sean McNamara. And they uh, were very supportive of, of my concept. I said to them, I don't want to tell a story of what happens when you're taken. 
We kind of all know that. And if we don't know it, we can guess it. I want to show the lead up and I want to be able to start a conversation. And I also want to give my film away for free. I want everybody to have access to this movie. I want everybody to have the freedom to pass it on and talk about it. And for it also to be a film that's suitable for all ages. And I, I, even though it's disturbing, it's not in a way that people say, oh, you know, this has to have a rating of something horrendous because it's got sexual matter in or whatever. This is more about what goes on in our brains behind the concept. So I'm hoping I achieved that. Well, I must tip my hat to you with much respect because I find this uh, project very important. You described it uh, so well. I also want to like to uh, take this time to commend you for your artistic choices. I agree with you. Uh, it really is not necessary to show what happens afterwards. It, it's disturbing enough just showing what leads up to it. And you know what? Elizabeth, one thing that I must say that I'm so pleased to see in the film is that you just didn't do one where a young girl was enticed or abducted. You really layered things out. And social media usage, you have a mother who obviously is very caring and loving, but she's busy. And also she and her daughter seem to be at a disconnect to a certain extent. You know, obviously just getting older, you know, teenage daughter and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, though, the mother is not aware of, of her social media activities. And that's part of the message of the film, I believe, is the importance of staying connected together as a family so that you can talk about things and also to keep an eye on your children. Uh, not like in a dictatorship style, but just to say, hey, I care about you and I want to make sure you're making healthy choices for yourself. That's exactly it, because I, I, I know a lot of my daughter's friends actually who have fake Instagram accounts, so their parents don't know that they've got two uh, accounts. And what the kids don't realize is that their innocent practice of, you know, utilizing this and hashtagging things actually is incredibly dangerous. Um, so, yes, it's not about being a dictator as a parent, but it is definitely about having an open dialogue and I think what I wanted to create as well was the normality of a parent with their child, uh, because I didn't want to show, oh, this child, the ones that get taken are because they're just from abused parents or because they're in the foster care system. I wanted it to be a pretty normal situation where a mum is hardworking, trying to work, trying to make a living. You know, she's got a normal life. The kids are at school, even if they're late. You know, they're, they're heading there. They've got friends. But just how that's simple white lie can have that effect, that knock-on effect of what could happen. Um, and so the film is very much for the parents as well as the kids. And obviously I wanted to show with the use of my social media appearing constantly through mirrors, even when the child wasn't in the room, because again, I want these parents to know, even when you're not there, this is still going on. That was an excellent uh, decision that you made as a filmmaker, Elizabeth. I noticed that throughout the film, and I, I really thought that was very uh, effective. 
and, and really grabs you and really makes you think about things. And I might also add that, look, social media is a wonderful and fun thing, but I always try to encourage people if the topic gets brought up, the value of balance. You know, I intentionally take a few days a week where I'm not on social media or my phone unless it's an emergency and I'm just living life. And I'll tell you what, when you can come up with that balance, you're going to feel better about yourself in the long run too. Definitely. I think social media has a, a wonderful, is a wonderful medium for things. It can be incredibly positive. I mean, I find the benefits are huge, but the trouble is every good thing has a bad side, doesn't it? And, and that is where we need to make sure that we are supporting our kids, helping them understand. I mean, through this film, I actually have become the ambassador um, of child trafficking for Awareness Ties, uh, which is this wonderful charity. But also by doing that, Isabella, who will talk to you on her uh, session, has become the ambassador for uh, suicide awareness. And unfortunately, both of those can stem from social media, you know, bullying that now occurs. It isn't just through that physical contact. It is even much more prevalent on the um, on the phone and through social media. And again, I think it is it's about being really aware of it and having a balance but just making sure that we all talk to each other. There's nothing like personal interaction, is there? You are right about that. And I want to thank you again for sharing the description of the film and, and, and the powerful message that it has. Now, um, obviously, it is available, as you mentioned, free of charge. Would you let folks know how they could view that if they would like to view that later today or t- sometime soon? Yes, it's on YouTube, uh, as on my mother-daughter YouTube site, as well as my website, Mother Daughter Entertainment. Um, yeah, Mother, what is it? Mother Daughter Entertainment com. <laughs> Isabella made the website. I can't remember it. Um, <laughs> and um, oh no, Mother and Daughter com. That's it. There you um, go. Thank you. I should remember. It is early, and I did it just is. drive back and, from and Utah. And you uh, told me off the air that you had a long day of traveling yesterday. So. Exactly. Driving back from Sundance. I've got a wee bit of an excuse. Yes, um, and yeah, so anybody can go online and watch that. And I really would love people to share it. That would, you know, pass that conversation on um, and hopefully it will it will help. I can tell you that Hollywood and Beyond will be putting out information about Unseen once your interview becomes available to the public. And I'll do everything Thank in my you. part to help spread the word for you. Thank you. Well, I have two more projects in particular to bring up. I would like to bring up one, though, that I actually viewed uh, very recently, and I really enjoyed it. And, And you actually appeared in it as an actress, and you work with Isabella, who has a leading role, and that is the film Gene. And I just wanted to say um, how how moved and touched I was uh, while viewing that film. Okay, how'd you go? Come on. Come on, how'd you go? Have a great time tonight. You should stop by afterwards and, and tell us how it went. Okay. I will. 
I want to teach George the, the St. Louis shag. Triple step kick, triple step kick. God, then show me. Triple step kick. One of my acting ones. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, of the role I played because I was Isabella's grandmother. <laughs> hey, it was a stretch for you, right? It was a challenge. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. It was. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was an interesting project. I mean, that was, um, you know, that was quite a while ago now, and, and that was just purely from us helping people out and and saying, you know, if they needed actors and and it was it was good experience um it was it was an interesting experience i mean that really did solidify the fact that i much prefer to be behind the camera well you you did a great job and and you know oh. isabella's performance was just um so appealing i, I was instantly oh. interested in her character i loved the oh. cinematography at the beginning and just being there with the dog and uh, she she makes her role so interesting. I thought she gave an outstanding performance. This also co-stars Lee Majors, for those who may be unaware. And, and I have to say this, the ending of the film, uh, when Isabella has, uh, you know, something to say at the end, I was very touched and moved. And, and, and I love projects like that. So well done. Well, I love, I, I agree. And I think that's what makes us artists. And um, it's very interesting having just come back from Sundance because I really felt like, you know, we have all these major projects that are selling for 15, 20 million and we're making things that everybody wants to watch. And I totally get that. But there's nothing better than feeding your creative soul and being able to come up with a concept, come up with an idea, play with it. Um, And I think, you know, that's what that kind of a project was. The um, you know the director and the cinematographer who actually worked on all my projects with me, they were just able to be creative, and um, and I think that can sometimes get lost when we are trying to sell a project. Well said, Elizabeth. Well said. Well, another project that Isabella surprise is involved with is <laughs> the film The League of Legend Keepers Shadows. Unfortunately, I have not seen this production yet, but I just thought I'd give you a chance to let folks know out there what it might be all about. Oh, thank you. This is one of my one of my little favorite projects because uh, we, again, try and make projects that are relevant to us in our day-to-day life. And this was because um, we were trying to find something for Isabella to watch at Halloween, and there was just nothing suitable. It was, you know, either things suitable for like a five-year-old or something really, really scary, like Paranormal 4. And um, and so there was no way that I wanted her to watch something so scary. And, you know, she was 10, 11, and we kind of bypassed Mickey Mouse. So I, um, I said, well, why don't we write something then? Let's write something. So she actually wrote the first version of this. We came up with some concepts. And uh, this was her love of, of writing, and this is how it began. And I then got somebody else involved with it who I'd met at a film festival. Um, he's a lovely chap, Bob Nevins, and he wrote it with us and created this concept. And, um, and I was lucky enough to get, you know, the money behind it. But it was about a group of normal kids who save their, their town. So it's a bit like the Goonies meets Stranger Things. 
And I also wanted to make it really relevant to to kids in um in normal situations. You know, superhero films are great, but when do we really have that power to fly or the power to um, get invisible? Or, you know, we wanted to create something where you could go into your garage and find the means with which to save your town. So it's quite <laughs> quirky. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that description. And isn't it amazing how we as artists can be inspired by things in such a uh, unexpected manner uh, like your story with with trying to find the right halloween movie and look what that turned into <laughs> i mean that's just exactly great. It exactly it did it did and i think that that's why things can organically be so successful you're not forcing something there was a need for something so i created it um, and it was just it was fun obviously to work with all the kids and the special effects and it was very much a family um, set as well as being a family film. Everyone really contributed and participated. In fact, at the end of every day, I could hardly get rid of everyone. I was like, guys, you, you all need to go home now because I need to have my production meeting. And they'd all stay around. So That's you, a good you sign. Need to go. I know. I know. I took that as a huge compliment. Um, but it's a, it's a fun film. I mean, obviously, you know, when as a filmmaker – I'm learning so much and developing. But what's interesting about my development is that my development of understanding lenses, the technical side of things, why I'd need to make sure the sound works correctly with my, my images, you know, all those types of things. Because I never went to film school. It has really improved. But I will say sometimes that's a hindrance because my creativity that came from some of my very first films with a kind of not caring attitude and a feeling of, well, why can't I do this shot? Of course I can do this shot. I understand I need to make this shot. Of course you can stand up there and do this. You know, slightly removes itself sometimes because you're aware of what, what Netflix might want or the, the standards that you need to meet. And currently I'm in a situation where I'm trying to put myself in a position where I can be creative, but make the quality that's necessary. And that's a very interesting journey. Most definitely it is. And the, the film sounds fun and adventurous. I like the uh, poster for it, I might add, as well. Yeah, no, I love that too. <laughs> I know. Well, it is. It's a female young Indiana Jones. And actually, yes. we just shot a scene from the number two uh, time machine with the incredible Sylvester McCoy, who was one of the original Doctor Whos, and nice. uh, Isabella and Gabe, who plays um, Isabella's sidekick. We just shot that in a wonderful location. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to, to shoot that at the end of the year. I'd also like to take this time to ask you about Evie Rose. I will add once again, unfortunately, I have not seen the production yet. What is this film all about? Well, that's because this is just in post-production at the moment. Gotcha. But this is old Hollywood at its best. So Terry Moore, who is a Hollywood icon, and she's got a star on the Walk of Fame. She used to be friends with Marilyn Monroe. Uh, she's got photos of her and James Dean. I mean, she's she's an incredible woman. Is ninety years ninety one? She just turned ninety one, and she plays the lead opposite Isabella. But again, this is actually based on a true story as well. So something that um, 
really affected Isabella and I was she had a best friend who lived three doors down from us in Hermosa Beach. And she was a 96-year-old lady when Isabella first moved there, age 10. And they were best friends for six years. Um, and because Isabella was an actress and homeschooled, she was actually around there all the time. And this wonderful lady taught her how to, to play cards, how to gamble, how to cook, all these incredible things that maybe a, um, a maternal grandmother might teach her. But obviously we're, we're over here in L.A. And, and our family's based in the U.K. So they kind of had this wonderful relationship. And unfortunately, Millie passed away and um, it affected my daughter in a huge way. And I promised her that we would never let Millie's um, memory die and we would make a film. So now I had to find an actress that was a hundred year old lady, which is not that easy. Um, as bet. you can imagine. <laughs> so I man I came across Terry Moore because she was introduced to me by um, a wonderful chap who did our PR for unseen called Dave Robertson. And he introduced and Terry came and watched my film and introduced me to her. And she fell in love with it and liked the way I worked and said, yep, she'd love to play the lead role. So I started the meetings and uh, those two started to talk and meet up. We wrote the script and uh, I shot it in December. But it's a it's a beautiful love story about a friendship that is pretty unique. This sounds all so interesting to me and, and utterly amazing. And I want to wish you all the best on on. Uh, post-production and hope it all goes smoothly for you now are you the type of lady that likes to have her finger in several cookie jars at one time or are you just focused on one at a time that's funny because i can hear all my friends listening to that moment now and laughing out loud because i definitely have it in several cookie jars all right yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah, probably, probably uh, some of my friends would be like saying too many, but you have to because I have four projects that I've currently been asked to direct. So um, I'm waiting for those definite dates. And that's very exciting as well, directing somebody else's vision. Um, but I also have my four features that I'm currently working out when I'm going to be shooting um, in the next 12 months. And they are definitely um, projects that I'm, all of them, very engaged with because I kind of feel like life's too short to do something that you're not that interested in. And everything is a progression towards something else. And I love that journey, that journey of finding a project, writing it, working out who you're going to, um, how and who you're going to work with. Um, so it's all very exciting to me. Well, thank you for another wonderful description. I, I should also add that my hand is in a lot of cookie jars as well, artistically. But also, it's in several real cookie jars at one time. Because <laughs> I'm a person that appreciates good cookies. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I'm glad. <laughs> we I'm all like need that. a cookie occasionally. We all need a cookie occasionally. Hey, Hey, that could become a, a catchphrase right there, Elizabeth. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about Isabella singing because I've really enjoyed listening to her sing. And, and um, what are your thoughts on her singing projects? Well, I'm very fortunate because it means that I get this wonderful original music for all my films. 
So on Unseen, the reason she has an acoustic EP out is because the, the four songs that she sings on there, I said, these are just beautiful. You need to, you need to release them. Uh, so I, I love it. I love the fact that she's got this artistic um, space to be able to express herself through if something's going on, if something's positive, negative. She's got this release. And, and I love the fact she says, oh, I'm going off to the studio today and I uh, can go and sit there with a, a wonderful group of friends and just create, you know, it's another outlet. Well, I'll tell you, her uh, singing did contribute to Unseen, no doubt about it. A, a song that I've really enjoyed a lot. I've ne- of course, never heard it before until learning more about you and, and your talented daughter. And that is the song, It'll Be Okay. Uh, I, I really like the song, but I'll tell you what my favorite part is, Elizabeth. I love the final moments when it sounds like her voice is becoming like amplified to almost like an echo. And it just has this wonderful ending to the song. Thank you. I love that song as well. It's it's a very poignant song. Again, that was actually when I think she wrote that because of the passing of her friend. Um, and so she just gets inspired by those moments. Um, and it, it is. It's a it's a lovely song, isn't it? Yes, it is. I I really really enjoyed it. Well, let me ask you uh, before we conclude here, are there any future projects, maybe one of a few dozen that you would like to bring up or anything in particular? Oh, that'll be my dog who said hello. Oh. Um, <laughs> Making an appearance. As well. She is. She was just telling you that there's a very important project she'd like to talk about, which is well, her. By all means. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, Chai? Yeah, Chai comes with me everywhere. Um, nice. Let me think. I mean, the, the projects are... I think more um, as a as a general feeling of I'd love that support from people to to look me up, to follow my projects, to see what I'm doing, and I am available on you know all social media um, platforms. But I think it's about having that support from people as well that I can give to them. So I love mentoring. So if people want to contact me and come and get involved in one of my projects, you know, we're only as strong as the team around us. And so if people say, you know, I'd love to experience being a DP on your feature film. I'd love to experience writing with you. You know, we have to all work together. And there are so many people that want to be in this industry and don't get that opportunity. So I really try to give everybody a chance. And my team is filled with people who had never experienced working on a feature film or or maybe they had experienced a short, but they'd never gone on to a feature. And I, I, lo- I just love that. So I think it's about being a team. So if I've got four films, as I said, I'm working on this year. Um, I'm always looking for people who would like to fund these projects as well. People that want to give it a go and say, you know what, I'd love to be a producer on this project. I, I, I'm up for that. I've got a plethora of couple of documentaries that I'm working on, the narrative features, a reality show. Um, so anybody can get in contact with me as long as people are hardworking, focused, driven, 
and um, dedicated. You know, I think that's that's my thing. Giving back. And what a beautiful yeah. thing that is. And, and I'm a team player as well, uh, you know, especially with artistic projects. I, I completely understand. And I really, really admire that you take that approach, too, uh, because it's only going to make your own projects that much more uh, meaningful and special when it's all said and done. So well exactly, done, Elizabeth. And, and you know what? I'm also an actor and writer. So who knows? Maybe we can collaborate one day. And uh, that it. would be a lot of fun. I love collaborations. My favorite word. Well, I also love really good coffee. In fact, my coffee is world famous, Elizabeth. So the reason I'm bringing this up is I'm just wondering, what is coffee like in the UK compared to how it is here in the States? Any major difference? Well, I will say I'm actually a tea drinker. So I wouldn't be able to give a report back on (laughs) coffee, but I'm imagining the... um, the coffee over here is probably better. I'm imagining it is. Although we do have those, you know, the European aspect and element there. So I don't know. It might be a tough one, but I'm, <laughs> I like a good Earl Grey or a Lady Grey. Well, thank you for the insight on that. I appreciate it. And I want to say uh, thank you for joining me here today on Hollywood and Beyond. I had so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hollywood and Beyond podcast created, produced, and hosted by actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening.